Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. Um, as you guys are probably all aware, it is now February. Um, we are recording this in December, of course, because I am a super planner. Um, but for February, we wanted to do a series on relationships. Um Valentine's Day is a thing that happens in February. I actually hate that holiday. Um, It's way too commercialized, (laughs) and I don't really understand the point of it because my husband loves me every day. But regardless, I think it's a good time for us to focus a little bit on relationships and brain injuries. Um, You know, we've heard statistics that anywhere from 50 up to 70% of marriages or relationships fall apart after one member of the relationship suffers from a stroke or another debilitating brain injury. So for all of those that are in that camp or for all of those who are married or dating someone and want to be able to keep their relationship alive, we wanted to talk to some of our power couples in the community. So that being said, that's a nice headway. Um, We Oh, headway, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) So um, today we have Ryan and Anna Teal of the Aphasia Readers. Um, They've created an amazing resource for anyone whose stroke affected their speech and language centers. Um, And it's called Aphasia Readers, which we'll get into that a little bit, and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Ryan is a hemorrhagic stroke survivor, I believe, but I will um, kind of... Ischemic. He's ischemic. See, uh-huh. I don't remember. Yes. So instead of me telling the yeah. story, let's introduce Ryan and Anna and let them kind of tell us how they became part of this community, the club that none of us want to be a part of, but are. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, well, I'm Anna Teal and um, yeah, this is Ryan and he, okay. he had a stroke about three and a half years ago uh, and it was kind of took us by surprise. He had it at Eagle. night. Yeah. Yeah. Eagle syndrome, yeah. Uh, which we later found out, but um, he had a stroke at night. So thank God he fell out of bed because I would have never have known um, that he was in trouble unless he w- had fallen funny. out of bed. And he, wow. Funny. Yeah. He, he thought it was funny that he was, he couldn't get up and I thought he was messing with me. And I said, Ryan, are you okay? And he was laughing and I'm like, what is going on? Like, is he in tr- Like what's, I, I had a hard time, you know, he wasn't like, in distress as most people are when they have a stroke. Um, and, and I had a hard time, but I knew he couldn't. Yeah, it was very confusing. And so he was laughing at me and I was like, Ryan, if you're messing with me, like you're going to be in big trouble. Like this is like midnight. (laughs) This happened. And, um, he was just laughing. And then I tried to get him to like sit up or to get up because he was on the floor and he couldn't. So immediately that was the right side weakness. And so I knew, I said, oh, this is not good. So I called 911. Um, and so he was in the hospital, uh, after that point for gosh, close to three months. Um, oh, so wow. he was in our local hospital, which he had great care there. We're so blessed to have had the best doctors we could have ever asked for to help him. Um, and then we went to shepherd center, which is in Atlanta. A lot okay. of people know about them. They are amazing. Um, we were again, so blessed that they took Ryan, uh, because he got so much great therapy and so much great care at their facilities. So we were their inpatient and outpatient program. Uh, they did a wonderful job and, you know, preparing, you know, yeah, preparing Ryan and preparing me as a caretaker, um, to kind of like ease us through this process. Cause you don't know in the beginning, like what you're facing and, you know, it's kind of, you have these learning curves and ebbs and flows and, you know, you just kind of roll with it. So, but he, he definitely got great, you know, OT, PT and speech therapy there all, all in one. And I mean, it's just kind of like intensive, full schedule. So he, he did very nice well there. He we, we built, yeah. Um, but, what um, type of yeah, stroke he's did a you miracle. say he had? Yeah, really. Hello? Do you mind going into what type of stroke he had? You mentioned a syndrome, and I'd never heard of that before. 
Yeah, so Eagle syndrome is a very rare um, issue that no nobody really checks for. You ne- and from what I could tell from reading a lot of Turkish journals late at night early <laughs> on in this process when I heard about it. Um, Which is a true caregiver really trait right it. there, <laughs> having to read articles <laughs> yes, in the middle of the was- night. Yeah, I was definitely scouring the web to try to find anything I could on this, you know, disorder. So Eagle syndrome is when you ha- your styloids, which is the bone between your jaw and your ear, are, you know, typically maybe like an inch, an inch and a half long. Well, Ryan's was like three inches <laughs> long, very long. Um, and they came in contact with his carotid arteries, his front carotid arteries. And over time, you know, it, it wore, wore the arteries down. And one thing about Ryan is some people, when they have a stroke, they have, you know, one of their arteries goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Ryan's case, both went. So he had both, so they both dissected of his brain. Yeah. Ha. Well, no, no, not typically. Not the damage was only on the left side of his brain. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Kind of crazy. Yeah. But both <laughs> but sides both went. Of them went. Huh. Well, one opened back up miraculously, um, oh. which is another story in itself. If you or someone you know is struggling to recover after brain injury like a stroke, take a free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to see if their robots can help boost your recovery. If you are struggling with stroke recovery, take the free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to learn if Modus can help you recover. And a quick shout out to our sponsor, Headache Nutritionist. Be sure to check her out at www. HeadacheNutritionist.com. Generous sponsors like Susanna and donations are what keep us on air. Thank you. That's the goosebump story. Yes, we do need to hear that one after you explain what he had. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so thankfully, um, you know, we kind of had a miraculous situation where, you know, it's kind of a turning point where he was going to be a vegetable or he was going to heal and they went in to go do surgery and miraculously one of his arteries opened up. Like it, yeah. I, I was, we'll never forget that night. It was very tough uh, because we just didn't know if he was going to survive or not. And mm. so, yeah, they got and in to do had, surgery and his artery opened up. <laughs> that's amazing. And you had almost like an angelic yeah. type experience that night, right? I did. I did. Um, I was praying in like a mad woman. It was 11 o'clock on a Friday night and it was just our family in the waiting room. And our doctor said, you know, we need to um, we need to do a last ditch effort and see if we can stent his artery open because he needs to heal. Otherwise, he's going to be a vegetable and it's not going to be a good situation because the brain damage was spreading into the other hemisphere of his brain. And um, did it so, do so the midline like, shift? You know, is that what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. A bad it was sign. shifting over. Yeah, and so we were really like, oh my god, you know, do whatever we need to do, like just save my husband. I was kind of like, you know, in that manic um, mm-hmm. state. Like I was just like, I, I ha- he can't, I can't lose him. You have to do whatever you have to do, and. I'll just never forget, I was just in this back hallway and they were taking Ryan into surgery and I just looked at the doctor and I said, you know, what percentage of him surviving or, you know, of success is this going to be? And he was like, "Hmm, maybe 5%. It was very low, low, um, you know, rate of, you know, he's going to be okay. And I just remember crying and he told me, he was like, Anna, just pray, you know, just pray. That's all I can tell you to do. And he's like, I've seen Who told you that crazy the things told happen. The well, doctor. Yeah. He, oh he was goodness. so sweet. I've never heard he a doctor say that. Yeah. Yes. He was amazing. I mean, he could see I was so scared and he just grabbed my hands and he was like, just pray. He's like, I've seen like miraculous things and oh, I just so will sweet. never forget that moment. And so, yeah, I went back to the, um, I went back to the waiting room and just sat there and just started praying. And I just started like, I had a bunch of Bible apps and I was just praying. I was like, God, you just, you have to save him. I can't lose him. Like he's my soulmate. Um, And I kind of fell into this 
like hopeless situation and hopeless mindset. And I just asked God, I said, you know, like send me a sign that he's going to be okay. Cause time was going by and I was worried. And, um, then like out of nowhere, this woman came in and looked me in the eyes and she said, I know your pain. Everything's going to be okay. And I was like, was she there before or did she just appear? No. Where did she come from? No. She came out of nowhere. I'm telling you, Ah. it was just our family in the waiting room. Nobody was there. Um, It was really late at night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And this woman came out of nowhere and came straight to me. None of my other family members. And she looked me dead in the eye and said, I know your pain. Everything is going to be okay. And I'll tell you, like, it was a total stranger. Um, I just, we cried and together and she hugged me. And then, like, that was it. Did she stay with you? You know, not five. No, she she left. She left. Where did she go? She stayed with me for a little bit. But, like, she left after that. Yeah. (sighs) Touched by an angel. um, (laughs) I know it was like God's I truly believe God sent her to like give me hope and a message at a time where I was just like so I mean in despair and um yeah I mean she's a beautiful girl just came out of nowhere and I was just like who is this person and so it was just a beautiful moment and um yeah not five minutes later They, you know, um, the doctor came in and he was like, you know what? Like we went in to do surgery and he like his artery opened up on its own. It's already open. And from that moment, like he was able to heal and not suffer any more brain damage. And so like it was ridiculous. It was like such a crazy moment. The right opened up on its own Um, and the left needed surgery? Or how did that happen? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, I, I just will never wow. forever forget that the rest of my life because so, that was just truly like God showed up for us, I, I believe, you know? And, yeah. And I think, you know, not to be religious, like none of us on here are preaching any one type of way of belief, but, um, we, you know, I've, I've had a similar experience and I would say I'm more of a spiritual person than I am necessarily religious, Um, but I had an experience, nothing to do with stroke, but I'm just going to share it anyway. Um, when I was in high school, I had a Hyundai accent for my car. Um, you guys know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Like teeny tiny little car, like the Yaris of Hyundai. Um, and I lived in Northern (laughs) Maine. So we got lots of snow. I mean, it's like Alaska there. It like snows all the time. It's insane. Oh gosh. Yeah, and it's this teeny car. So I worked at a grocery store, and it was a Sunday, and it had been snowing. I worked from 12, so I'd go after church. I'd work from 12 noon to 8 p.m. on Sundays, or maybe 2 to 8, something like that anyway. Um, and I it had been snowing all day, and I went outside, and I was a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, like, dummy. I didn't have any th- way to remove snow off my car, so I just started using my hands, trying to get it all off. I mean, we'd had over a foot of snow drop. So it was like up to my doors oh my of this teeny little car. And I finally thought I got enough snow off and I backed up. And what happened was my car went up a snowbank, like the snowbank that the plow had plowed me in. It went up on top of it. So the wheels weren't even hitting the ground. So I was like, oh, no. what do I do? Like, I can't get out of here. <laughs> No one was answering the door. I was like pounding on the grocery store door. Like I need a shovel. I need help. No one heard me. So I come back out, come around the corner and there's two men there. And they're like, how can we help you? You look like you're hurting. And I'm like, yeah. So they shoveled out my whole car. I got out the road and they disappeared. I don't know where they went. I don't know where they came from and I don't know where they went. But like really like stuff like this happens and who knows what the cause of it is. I'm not God. I can't say, but it's just, what? (laughs) I know. It's pretty crazy when it does happen. (laughs) It definitely is. So, um, yeah, Yeah. that was kind of a bunny trail, but let's get back on topic a little bit. So, (laughs) um, you spent three months in the hospital and then you probably had intensive rehab after that. Like what types of, um, stroke, what types of things did the stroke do for Ryan? Well, 
you you went through um you know we found out that he had aphasia and he has apraxia as well yeah explain what those terms mean yes aphasia is a speaking and sometimes comprehension disorder and so uh in ryan's case like you you may uh be able to speak, but maybe you can comprehend verbal, you know, pretty good or a hundred percent. But in Ryan's case, he, um, can, he has trouble speaking, of course, which is aphasia. He also has trouble comprehending sometimes, um, like just pure verbal without any gestures or cues or anything like that. And so, um, you know, you can just speak to him um, and he he has trouble following conversations. Like if you change topics, like that can be hard for him. But one of the best tools that we found to kind of combat that is his phones um, and different apps like Otter mm. and Google Pixel. He has a Google phone, um, which has its own like translate um, application. So it can take your speech and translate it into text. And so he reads, um, you can see, right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's following along with our podcast right now, what we're doing. And so he's reading it so, so he cool. can keep up with, with everything. So, um, that's been very helpful. So thank God for technology oh, because yes. that has made it really, um, easy for him to communicate and to listen and, um, you know, help him engage with other people. Uh, because, you know, aphasia can be so lonely. Um, it's a very lonely condition to have because you you know what you want to say. It's not that the intellect is no longer there. It's just that he can't get it out. Those pathways and those, you know, um, the way that it normally had reached his brain to his mouth and, you know, into translated into speech is no longer there. So he has to find new ways and new pathways around the damaged parts of his brain. So, um that's kind of, um, you know, what he deals with and his biggest deficit from the stroke. Um, he does have some right side weakness that he deals with. I mean, he can walk and he, you know, without a cane and he can, um, you know, kind of get around by himself. He's pretty self-sufficient. Um, but he does have a lot of spastic, you know, spasticity in his hand, especially, um, he's got a pinky that kind of does not like to play with the rest of his fingers on his hand. <laughs> I see so, that. Do you guys have the modus yeah. hand? Have you tried the modus hand? We do. We do. You do. We I'm going to be getting that soon. I'm trying it. Good. Right left hand. It's yeah. great. Is it? It's great. I'm really and you know, it's it's genius the way they developed it with the games and everything. And they're based out of Atlanta. They're close to where we are, which is kind of crazy. That's so, amazing. Someday I'm going to yeah, come down and meet so, you all. I, I think know, I have a layover. Actually, I have a layover in Atlanta next week. <laughs> the worst airport oh gosh, ever. <laughs> oh, I hate I'm that so airport. Sorry. Yeah. I hate that place. <laughs> if you can fly through the Atlanta airport, you can fly anywhere. Like, uh-huh. It's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But, um... But yeah, so, but with, with Ryan, like he, he has been so positive. I will say, um, with everything that, you know, I, I just, he amazes me every day because I think if it were me, I think I'd be kind of more grumpy, you know? Uh, but Ryan is just so positive and just so uplifting and just so sweet. And, you know, I think, and we found that a lot of people who have her stroke survivors are, you know, they kind of find a new lease on life and it mm. changes their perspective on things. And that can be really powerful as you move forward in this different kind of life. You know, mm. it's, it, it, it just kind of changes you in a way. And, and a lot of people, they think they may know, but you just never know and how that journey is until you've gone through it. And it mm-hmm. and it can be tough. It can be hard. And it can be beautiful, too. And you can meet so many wonderful people like yourself and who are, you know, doing great things in our community. And um, it's just, it's so awesome. So there are so many good things about it, um, along with, you know, some of the not so great things, like the club we're a part of that we really didn't want to be a part of, but here we are, you know. It's but, the coolest um, club that yeah, no one it, wanted to be in. <laughs> it right. is, it yeah. is. 
It really is. And so, um, but yeah, I think like together we're, you know, just trying to help it not be so lonely, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And it's just nice to talk to people who get it, you know? And I think Ryan would say the same thing. Like, it's very nice to be around people who understand and are patient, you know, when you're trying to get the word out and like, they just know, you know? And that must be so So. lonely for Ryan um, because you're almost trapped inside a little bit. Yeah, you are, you know, um, but, you know, thankfully, like I said, with technology, he can text and he can speak a little bit, you know, we're working on like functional phrases. And that was one of the motivators behind our book that we just released. Mm -hmm. Um, We have one of three books planned, but um, the loneliness factor was something we wanted to address and the relevant reading um, because, you know, adults... For some reason in our world, when you have a disability, people tend to treat you like you're a child. And that's a stigma that we're trying to break. And um, we're really trying to make waves and give adults relevant reading and speech practice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because, you know, we had to go to children's books before we developed this book. And it was kind of demeaning, you know, for Ryan. And you could tell it was kind of demotivated. He didn't really want to do it, but he, he was doing it to get the practice. And um, so we just really realized a need for something that was relevant and that supported, you know, it was tailored to someone with aphasia. So we worked with the University of Michigan, Michigan Speech and Language Clinic, um, mm-hmm. They're one of the number one clinics in the United States, and they have been wonderful. Actually, Ryan did a stint there a couple of years ago, and he made great progress with his comprehension ability and his speaking ability. Um, you know, so we we had talked with them about doing this book, and they have worked with us for the last year to developing it and help us really make it a multifaceted tool. Um, and then we've also had input from our neurologist uh, on, you know, visual things that we can include in the book to help with word retrieval and things like that. So we took a neurological and a really big like speech approach to make it a a really nice tool for people to have as a kind of a supplementary, you know, it's not going to replace your speech therapy, but it's something that you can use to practice with. And it's written in a dialogue Mm-hmm. Um, kind of setting. So you can practice by yourself or you can practice with a loved one or caregiver or friend. Um, and, and it helps like not be so lonely because mm. you, you practice that dialogue. Yeah. So they're all functional phrases that you would normally use um, over like a cup of coffee. Like we have a section called like good morning. So you can practice having a conversation with your spouse or whoever, you know, your partner. Um, yeah. And it's a nice little segue to help you like further interact with someone. Um, so and then we have like customizable. So I know. Like and then that. we have and to be able to have that type of conversation that's relevant um, because I yes. hear what you're saying. Yes. I work with a lot of um, dementia patients and everything, like you said, if you have a cognitive decline, people treat you like a child and yeah. the dementia patients especially tend to be those people who were highly intelligent and continue to be Mm -hmm. highly intelligent, but they have dementia. So we shouldn't be giving them little books like see spot run. Who the heck wants to read that? (laughs) I mean, it's cute for a child. Yeah. This, I love, love, love your book. Um, Where could people see it? How do people get it? Um, You you can get it on Amazon, um, or you can get it on our website, aphasiareaders.com. Cool. Um, and, cool. you know, along with that, because we didn't just want to, like, promote a book. We wanted to provide resources. And we have um, what we call fridge functional phrases uh, that I developed for Ryan for social events. So, like, for football parties or, like, weddings or holidays, things like that, where you're, no, you you may be interacting with friends and family. There's some phrases in there along with like some keywords that are relevant to that like social event that you can practice to help you feel less lonely in those big social moments. And um, the fridge part comes in because Ryan and I would always forget to practice. And so we would put it on our fridge so we wouldn't forget. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so when yeah, when he was getting yeah. water, he would look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, we need to like you know ah, we need to practice this for an upcoming thing." So. Which yeah, for so we me, it that would work really hair. well. It is because I forget that I'm supposed to be doing my rehab exercises. Like I don't even think of yeah. it. Um, and <laughs> so if they can be play- posted somewhere that I have to go, because normally I don't forget to eat. Sometimes I do, but normally I don't. Um, <laughs> that's ingenious. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. So yeah, we're always in or around our fridge. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like we always see it. And so we thought it was just helpful to remind us to practice and to get some time in to, you know, kind of help, you know, with his, his speech and functional phrases. So So we we felt that. Uh Uh-huh. I was going to ask, I didn't want to cut you off, um, but you said aphasia. We've explained what that term is, but you mentioned another one, apraxia, I think it was. What is that? Yes. So apraxia makes it really hard. Like say, for example, if you were to say or get out a word uh, perfectly the first time, right? Um, And then you go to practice it again and again and again, it, it would kind of fall apart. Um, so the apraxia kind of hinders you from, you know, saying that word perfectly over and over and over, but, but to practice it and to do it, like kind of breaks through that you can, you can overcome it. You just have to keep practicing and practicing, but know that like the second or third time it may fall apart, but then the the fourth time, you know, it could possibly be okay again. So it's, it kind of disrupts that repetitiveness and it kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like the mean little elf, you know, that's <laughs> disrupting your speech when you're trying to get it out. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's really tough when you're trying to rehab. It makes it hard because it makes it even more frustrating because you're mm-hmm. trying to say a word that maybe is like two or three syllables and you can't get it out. And, you know, or maybe you do it one time and you can't get it out you know, the more you try. So well, and that's interesting. It's a rehab tough. is all about repetition. And yeah. if you get worse every time you repeat it, how do you rehab it? <laughs> that that's a catch 22. I know. Huh. I know it's, you just have to keep at it. And sometimes like you may get worse, but then you may, it may come out better, you know, like the fourth or fifth time. So it's just, you have to be patient and just keep at it and just plug on through your rehab Um, because just apraxia, it could just really put a kink in, in your speech and make it tough. So, um, I love that we are getting these resources out to people. I've shared your book with my speech therapist, um, through Mass General in hopes that, hey, maybe they'll tap into it a little bit. Um, because Mass General is a huge Mm. health system. Um, so I love that we've, um, approach that and that we've kind of gotten out um, a lot of the survivor story. I didn't know if there was anything else you mm-hmm. wanted to touch upon in Ryan's survivor story before we switch gears to the relationship and brain injury part. Um, no, I think that's it. Do you have anything that you wanted to mention? Nope. No, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, what? what's happened in my marriage, uh, my husband's very private, so he loves and supports everything I'm doing, but I would be shocked if he were ever a guest on my podcast um, because he's very <laughs> private. Um, yeah. So, you know, for us, and we mentioned this before we hit recording, for us, it was like Troy married one girl, one version of Aaron, and then I had a stroke and very quickly, literally in seconds, became a different person. Um, and he's tr- yeah. struggling to like catch up to be like, okay, who is this person? I think I still want to be married to her. I know I still want to be married to her, but I don't know who she is. <laughs> so it's almost like we have to like <laughs> redate each other just to figure out how we do this now. Um, and it's a struggle. Yeah. Like we need, I have a mental health therapist. Um, he, I think is going to be starting to do that. It's totally up to him though, whatever he wants to do, but it's tough. Like you literally are thrown into a new relationship in seconds. Um, do you guys feel um, any of that? Yeah. I mean, it's a jolting life event, period. I mean, no matter like the severity of it, it's, you know, your life is kind of turned upside down and you have to really figure things out quickly, like you said. And 
um, for us, it was the, you know, it was hard for us mentally to, to not only like accept this new kind of reality, um, but also deal with like grieving our past life Mm -hmm. because things changed like in one night, like everything was okay. And then now it's like, you know, I was two days into a new job. I didn't know if I was going to keep my job, you know, things like that. You know, um, I didn't know what Ryan's employer was going to do for us. Thank God they were so wonderful. Um, but there was a lot of uncertainty during that time, which was very nerve wracking. Um, so, you know, there's, there was a lot of emotions, a lot of things going on, you know, and, Early on, I mean, you know, when you have a stroke, depending on what area of the brain it hits, you know, you may not, they may, you know, the person who's affected, they may or may not remember who you are. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen. And um, thankfully with Ryan, he knows who I am. He's got all his memories. Um, He he remembers everything up until the point of his stroke. Um, And, you know, he is his personality is pretty much the same. So, um, yeah. And he's very positive and very, you know, his, was he positive beforehand? Was he optimistic? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And so I'm thankful that, you know, he was, he's still the person, you know, I'm married, but we have a lot of things that are very different. Um, and a lot of the, the roles in our marriage shifted where Mm. before it was an equal partnership. And now, you know, a lot of the financial responsibility and a lot of, a lot of the home responsibilities, um, you know, I have to wear a lot of hats now, you know, Mm -hmm. from the gardener to the Mr. Fix it, to owning a business and, you know, all of these things, it's a lot. And sometimes it gets overwhelming. Um, but you know, Ryan, he's, he's so supportive and, you know, he, whenever I get overwhelmed, he always just grabs my hand and smiles and he's like, it's going to be like, he's just has this reassuring smile that just makes me feel okay immediately. Um, and almost like you had to figure out a different way to communicate because it's not, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm so thankful for that. And he's, he still inspires me daily, like with his recovery and how hard he works at that and just how he contributes to our life in his own little ways now, you know, whether it's cleaning the house or, you know, he jokes (laughs) that he's the janitor now. (laughs) So um, my husband had to take over the house cleaning too. Um, And we said this before we recorded, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I am, I hate clutter. Like I have to have everything in its spot the way it should be. And it has to look a certain way because I'm very into aesthetics, I guess. I just, I really like designing and I really like things to look nice. And Troy has a very different sense of that. And (laughs) dealing with the piles of stuff throughout the house for me has been such a learning experience because I would have never tolerated that before my stroke. And now I'm kind of like, well, he's doing literally everything. I sit on my butt and he has to serve me and I need to be (laughs) grateful. I need to be okay with piles of junk around the house. Um, (laughs) And that's hard. That's just a shift that you don't really think about. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is like, you know, Bless. Bless. Yeah. 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 Bless. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He feels like it's, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That he's just, he's blessed and he, he tries to cook. He makes a mean bowl of cereal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, it's very important to have the right proportion of cereal to milk. If you can't figure that out. It is. That is a skill. Is. That is a skill. Cook? Yeah. yeah, see, he yeah. is a good cook. He's saying I cook too, yeah. Uh-huh. But we, we both <laughs> have tried our hand at cooking. Because, you know, when you have a stroke, you, like that shifts too. Like we used to eat out a lot. Now oh, we're yeah. trying to cook and be healthier and trying to kind of change that lifestyle, um, you know, kind of improve our lifestyle in that way. So <laughs> we, we've definitely had to pivot in a lot of ways (laughs) yes oh that great word from 2020 (laughs) 
<laughs> New normal. I, I hate to use it. But. I know, but it's true. I mean, we we coined that in the brain injury world well before COVID. They just took it over and ruined it for yeah. us. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after a stroke? Modus Nova makes robotic devices to help folks with a brain injury regain the use of their affected limbs. Recovery after stroke takes thousands of hours of work that isn't all covered in outpatient therapy. Whether you're 10 days or 10 years post-stroke, recovery is still possible. You just need many hours of rehab to make that happen. The Modus hand or foot are AI-powered robotic exoskeletons that help users do exercises through the playing of video games, similar to the way an occupational or physical therapist might work with your limb. Recovery after stroke is hard because stroke survivors don't get enough hours of rehab to regain function. Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash making headway. Modus Nova helps survivors with little or no movement get moving again. They help you get in the repetitions you need to form new neural pathways. Through playing video games, the robotic hand and foot can assist with limb movements to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash making headway to learn more. Make sure to use special code making headway when you sign up and get a month free with the 30 day challenge. Visit modusnova.com slash making headway to get started. That's M O T U S N O V A dot com slash making headway. Yeah. Um, would you have considered yourself an empathetic person? And first, do you know what an empath is? Have you heard that term? Yeah. Were you an yeah. empathetic person before the stroke? Um, yeah, I think Ryan was too. I think we both were. So you we were already were used to communicating even, through feelings. Yes. Ah. And so, okay. yeah, we, we are very much in that way. Um, I think maybe me more than Ryan, but yeah, I'm very kind of more, you know, lead with my feelings and emotions and mm -hmm. very, you know, kind of take on other people's things and I want to try to yep. help. And, yep. um, but and yeah, it's eye opening to realize like through my brain injury recovery, I've had to deal with a lot of crap because it's like my brain, if you think of it as old school file cabinet with the lock on it. My, I don't have the lock anymore. So the drawers don't stay closed. Um, so I'm constantly yeah. dealing with crap that had been filed away and sorted years ago, but now I'm having to do it all again. And an eye-opening yeah. thing for me and Troy's relationship was that I have always communicated through feelings. And now that's even stronger mm -hmm. because stroke brain is like diarrhea of the mouth and nothing stays where it should. Yeah. He doesn't communicate yeah. that way. And I never, ever yeah. realized that he doesn't feel my feelings because I feel his. Yeah. And that's yeah. like been oh, eye opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know it is. It's um, it's challenging. It's always a shift, you know, with that. I mean, with Ryan, I think, you know. I'm more the emotional one. I'm the one that breaks down a lot um, under pressure. And he's the one that kind of is holding it together. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just the kind of stability in our relationship. But mm -hmm. it's, um, it, it is tough. And you do have, there's a lot of learning and a lot of like grace involved in navigating those differences like after stroke. Because you just have to be patient with one another mm -hmm. and understand. And I've always tried to like put myself in like their shoes, you know, mm -hmm. how would I feel yeah. in that situation and how would I want to be responded to? And I think that's been both of our mantras throughout this whole process. Not saying that we've perfected it. We've definitely had our moments. There's of, no such thing as like, perfect. <laughs> you know, but it, it is, it's a, it, it's a kind of learning thing as I'm sure you guys know too. It's mm -hmm. just, you have to kind of get through it and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, and yeah, you know, some of it's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> it is. And you have to be willing to do that. 
Because I think that's when yeah. relationships fall apart is when one person, either the stroke victim or the caregiver, is solid. And they're like, this yeah. is my place in this world and I will never change. Um, if you yeah. have that, you're you're not going to make it post-stroke. I'm sorry, but no. you have to be yeah. flexible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, that flexibility is definitely a must if you're going to survive because... It's just, you have, compromise is key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think figuring so. out these new communication patterns too, um, because like you had mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. it's really easy, especially if someone has aphasia and apraxia, to not realize that they're still intelligent and they can still communicate. Um, yes. I think a lot of people would just write you off. They'd be like, like if you're at Starbucks, like, that person serving you probably is just going to blow right past him and go on to the next customer and not be kind and sensitive and realize he's communicating in a different way. Um, So for your relationship to even have a chance in hell, you have to figure out a way to communicate. And it sounds like you've done that, but like you said, it's not perfect. No one's ever perfect. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I mean, you just have to figure out the right mix and every relationship is different and every form of aphasia is different. So those communication um, techniques will be different. But like I said, it's a lot of trial and error and figuring out, you know, and, and kind of knowing your spouse, you know, getting to know them if, if they're different post-stroke mm-hmm. and having that patience is, is patience. will take you a long way. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's <laughs> patience. A big one. That's a big, big word. Yeah. I have zero patience. Yeah. Um, my stroke gave me, <laughs> like I wasn't known to be the most patient person before my stroke, but after I have emotional dysregulation. So my tone says one thing, my words say another and a lot of the times they aren't matching up. Um, and patience is yeah. the worst. I get so frustrated when I have to wait. It's like a little kid throwing a tantrum mm-hmm. every day now. And I know it's not like I shouldn't do that. But that's what my brain tells me to do now. And it sucks. <laughs> like, I swear. I know it does suck. Uh, I know. So that that brings up a topic too, little kids. Um My husband and I, and I feel free to share this, and you guys share whatever you want or don't want to share. Um, My husband and I, before my stroke, had pretty much made the decision that if kids come into our life, great, but we're not going to force the issue. Um, You know, we we didn't feel the need that we had to be parents. Um, I have nieces. I have godchildren. Let's hope everyone stays alive because if everyone dies, I'm going to end up with six kids living at my house. (laughs) But, you know, I I found satisfaction in those relationships. I can sugar them up. I can play with them, give them the puppy and send them on home. Um, And that that to me is gratifying. I don't need to be a parent. Um, Did you guys struggle with any of those types of decisions pre or post stroke? Yeah, so prior to Ryan's stroke, we were thinking really long and hard about having kids. Um, I have a back condition that would make it a little tricky for me to be pregnant. Um, but we were going to try to work around that and see if we could do it, like at least have one, you know. Um, but with his stroke, uh, I'm glad we did not have a child because that would have just put another layer of craziness into an already hard situation. And so I'm kind of a proponent of, you know, things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And we are just kind of going along with the grand plan, um, or lack thereof, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Whichever way <so>. it goes. <laughs> Whichever way it goes. So we were, you know, just flexible with it and kind of similar to you and your husband. We never felt like we had to be parents. Like we were never one of those, like we have to have kids. Um, We were, you know, when we got married, we had a discussion about that. Like, we, you know, if later on we wanted to, that we were okay with it, if we could make it work. But it wasn't like the end all be all. Mm. Um, Because like you, like we have a niece, we have um, friends with children that we're very close to. And we love that. And it warms our heart. And we kind of get our kid fixed through that. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that Ryan has had a stroke, um, you know, we still would like to have a child, but, you know, I don't know that it's in the cards um, for me as a caregiver 
I don't, you know, it, it makes it a little challenging to add another thing that I need to be responsible for, you yeah. know? Um, and so it, it, it is a hard discussion because part of me feels like Ryan would be a wonderful dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would love to give him that gift. And, uh, but at the same time, I have to be very mindful about, you know, just our situation and our limits, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the spot we are in now. Yeah, here, and, here, you know, here, we don't want to be a burden on our family either. So, um that's kind of, you know, it's just a tricky spot, you know, and I don't know what the future holds. And, you know, kind of like we talked about before, um, you know, we kind of got on air was that, you know, we just kind of go with it. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, it's just a, it's tough. It's (laughs) It's a a tough situation. It's super tough. And I hear Ryan in the background saying here, 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 it's put, you have, you'll have to wear so many hats. Like to be a mom or to be a dad, you're constantly switching hats all the time between your child's therapist, their caregiver, their butt wiper, their, you know, food, restaurant, cook, whatever. Like, and you already have a lot of hats, both of you just navigating stroke world. Like I could see how that would be like super overwhelming, but also you have the Mm -hmm. skills to do it if it were to happen because you're already doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you found that dynamic to be hard? Cause I know, so the dynamic I'm talking about, my husband for a while had to be like my parent. Like he had to police me on my phone because I was getting a little too mouthy and lippy with people that still happens. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah. Cause I have diarrhea of the mouth, right? Like I don't, my file drawers don't stay shut when they should. Um, So that was really, really hard for me because I don't like being told what to do. I'm a strong and independent woman that this is how I've become a leader in the organization I work for. And these are skills that I value that I am strong and independent, but yet I'm not now. I'm still strong, but I am not independent in the same ways. Um, That was a really hard dynamic in our relationship and continues to be. Um, Did you guys feel like anything like that? Can you relate with what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think Ryan, you know, it's kind of a similar thing, but in the guy's world of like wanting to be a provider for the household and wanting to lead the household in kind of a traditional sense, like, you know, cause he was looking at a promotion and like life was kind of looking very good, uh, before his stroke. And then it all kind of flipped. And, um, you know, I know there's a big part of him um, that feels like he wants to contribute in however way he can. And it's it's hard him being limited now. Uh, and I know he sees me sometimes overwhelmed and he wish he you know, I'm sure he wishes he could do more, you know, to help. But, you know, um, but it's been OK. Like we've done what we need to do. I think sometimes you just go into a survivor mode and you just make it work and you do the things you know you need to do in this new life that you're living. And we've kind of both fallen, you know, into these roles. And, you know, I've never been the one to you know, kind of push Ryan. Like I know I'll say, you know, you need to do this, this, and this today, you know, you can try to make it happen. Um, but I never wanted to really like nag him. I wanted to be careful about nagging because I know it's so easy to get into that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted him to be in control of his recovery and I wanted to be supportive. And I think, you know, knowing your spouse and how they respond and how they work is such an important part of that because some people, they respond well to nagging and, you know, they, that's how they're motivated, which is fine and dandy, you know, but some people don't. And so I think it's all like knowing how to motivate your spouse through recovery and, you know, kind of get through all of that is, is a key and just knowing Ryan and how he works and he is a hard worker. So I haven't had to stay on him a lot, but it is a shift, you know, like you said, it is a shift in, in roles, like in a marriage and, you know, like from caretaker to wife to, you know, you have, like you said, you have to wear all these different hats and sometimes your marriage can get muddied with all of that. And it gets hard to just be husband and wife, you know? Yes. Because Um, I did not marry my parents. Like 
I don't want yes. to be married to my parents. I have no desire to do that. That's weird and it's gross. Um, no. But yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's right. Gross. <laughs> but my husband's had to fill that role at times, and it it gets really confusing yeah. and really hard. And you know, another thing that's kind of come to mind too is a lot of us women, through gender norming and all of that, have been trained to be caregivers from the time we were born. Um, men don't get that training, so. For my relationship, you know, I'm living with a man's man, like, you know, baseball pitcher, breadwinner, um, super successful. Um, But he was taught because he was a boy that feelings go away and you don't need to have feelings. You don't need Mm -hmm. to feel your feelings. And he was never Mm -hmm. really trained to be a caregiver. And he was raised by women. He does a great job. Um, But that doesn't come naturally in our society to have male caregivers. Um, so yeah. I mean, for us that that's just been tricky because it's hard to figure out that line. And then I literally am a caregiver. I am a nurse. <laughs> like that is what I get paid I to do. <laughs> so to have, to not be able to do that and fill that role anymore is, I, I, I'm still confused as to where my role is <laughs> and what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I know. I know. And it's like, you know, that purpose, he's kind of taken over that purpose that you had Mm -hmm. and that can, that has to be hard. Yeah, it is. But it's doable because I have a spouse who is willing to be flexible. Yeah. 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 And that's what matters, you know, and that understands that. I think that's, that's important to have them just a sense of understanding and knowing what you're going through. And because I think Ryan had a similar situation where, you kind of feel like you're lost. Mm -hmm. It's like the life that you thought you'd live, you feel kind of lost and that can be tough. Um, But it can also be amazing. Exactly. And like this stroke for me, Mm -hmm. yeah, has opened so many doors. I would never, ever, ever, ever prior to my stroke think that I would be having a podcast because I don't talk to people. Yeah. I'm the person in the store that's like, yeah. don't look at me. I'm not really here. I don't want to get in, get out. Like, I don't talk to strangers. But um, yeah. Yeah. now I do. And it's amazing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I think it's awesome because it's it, it's opened up so many doors, like you said. And it can. It can really lead to a fulfilling life if you let it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and that's kind of what we're experiencing too. So I'm just, I'm so happy to hear that everyone that we've met, you know, in the aphasia and stroke community has taken a new lease on life and not chosen to be a victim of their circumstances, but chose to, you know, take this new um, life and live it to the max that they can to help others. And that's so, that's just wonderful. I love it. Yeah. It's the club that that none of us want to be in, but we are. Um, I know (laughs) I had given you guys an outline before the show started um, and you guys had prepared Mm -hmm. some answers. I had a brain injury. Don't know if you know, but I don't even remember what's on that outline. (laughs) We're starting to wind down a little bit and maybe there's some things on there you guys wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on yet. So I want to give you that opportunity now. Well, um, Ryan put together a list of, you know, because you mentioned what advice would you give to someone recovering from a brain injury and how would you help them? Um, So he has a list of kind of like aphasia strategies for communication and um, the, it can help the, you know, the person that has aphasia and it can affect the person that's communicating with them. Um, And so some of the bullets that he had, the bullet points that he had was um, type it out, you know, type on your phone if you don't think the person is understanding you fully, because sometimes they can read it and know for sure, you know, with Mm. 100% validation. Um, Use a phone, computer, or iPad. So that can help. Uh, Use a mirror when saying your words, because sometimes Mm. the mouth cues can help. Um, or, you know, kind of slowing down when you say the word that can help cue like word retrieval. So that's a good tip that a lot of people don't know. Um, joining support groups, um, and getting involved with people who are like you, uh, can help you communicate and feel a little bit more at ease because, you know, they're dealing with the same kind of issues. So it makes you feel good about that practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, 
all of the iPad apps like Tactus, Phonics, you know, Grammarly, um, the Google Recorder we mentioned, Otter, um, you know, and just watching movies with subtitles can really help, like the closed captions uh-huh. um, can help. So that's something that he would recommend. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's important around, you know, around any time of year uh, because whether you're watching Christmas movies or whatever kind of movies, like you want to be able to follow along with your favorite, favorite yeah, movies. That's a great um, tip. And we'll print all these in the show yeah. notes too. If you want to send them to me, I'll make sure they're all in there. Oh yeah. 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 That would be great. Um, and then just gestures um, can help to uh, write the word on paper. Um, let's see. What are some of the other ones? Um, just let's see. Using a dry erase board. That's something that we use early on to help, like just writing so you can write it quickly and erase it. But then we kind of navigated to our phone because it was just easier and we always had it Mm -hmm. on us. Um, Yeah, phones are great like that. And just reading aloud. And that brings me to um, a point, like when you see the couple, the married couple that are both sitting at the table on their phone and you're judging them because they're not talking to each other. For people like you, you are talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> That's how you communicate. So don't judge. <laughs> I know. So please don't judge us. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. We Funny story. We just, we got in trouble with that recently um, uh, over the holidays where my mom was yelling at us to put the phone down. And I was like, mom, like, I, like, Ryan's listening to what you're saying with the phone. He can't put it down. And I'm trying to communicate with him. So, like, I know, I understand the, like, passion about putting the phone down. But, like, for us, it's kind of like, that's how we roll, you right? know? So, it was funny. She had to, like, bat, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just forgot. Yeah. You know? But it was just like, You okay. guys are not the family that has the bowl for the cell phones at the front door. Like, you need your phone. Don't no, take it away. No, <laughs> Right, right. I mean, I, I definitely like no offense to anybody who does that because I do think it's important to have quality time without all of that stuff, you know, involved. But, you know, unfortunately, like we just we need it for certain things. But um, and we're not ignoring, you know, people. We're just trying to, you know, follow along. So. Absolutely. Makes sense to me. So, but, you taught yeah. me something new. <laughs> I know. I know. And of course, like, and the last one I think we have on the list is just reading aloud and how that can really help. And that goes back to our aphasia readers. Like, it's just a great way to practice and to, you know, like I said, reduce that loneliness that you feel. It's just, it it really helps to just practice, practice, practice Mm -hmm. over and over and over like those functional phrases. So you can get better at, you know, communicating with people that you love and that you care about. Absolutely. How can people find yeah. you guys? Because you have some amazing resources, ton of great advice. I'm sure your website has a lot of great info. Can you remind people where to find you? Yeah, so yeah, so you can go to aphasiareaders.com. So it's A-P-H-A-S-I-A readers.com. Um, and you can find our fridge functional phrases. You can purchase our book. Or if you prefer to purchase it on Amazon, you can find it there as well. Um, and then if you want it or if you have any ideas, like say you've got our book and you have a, ideas for further books because we have two more planned, you know, please reach out to me or Ryan at info at aphasiareaders.com. Um, we'd love to get any feedback or if there's any um, anything that you'd like to see or any kind of new functional phrases that you'd like to see on our website, we'd be happy to work up a sheet or, you know, something new for you. So uh, we love to hear from from other, you know, people who have aphasia or have just had a stroke. Any resources that we can help with, we'd love to help. Mm. So, And that info at aphasiareaders.com is an email address, right? So they can email yes, you. Yes, that's an email address. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I yep. definitely want everyone to check this out. Um, I'm going to keep pushing this on my end too. I just think this is a resource that is so needed um, and so many different uh, functional applications of this. So please do reach out to Ryan and Anna, buy their book. Um, if you do use the Amazon link in our show notes, it gives us a tiny little kickback um, as well. Um, it just helps to pay some of the podcast bills because uh, it's not free to put out a podcast. Um, so do do okay. click the link in the show notes if you're interested. And 
I just want to take this time to say thank you so, so, so much, Anna and Ryan. It can be very um, kind of scary, I guess, to talk about your relationship um, for whatever reason. Yeah. We don't like to do that in our society. We want to pretend that everything's fine and dandy and butterflies, rainbows, and unicorns farting rainbows all the time. But it, it, it's not. It's just not. So um, thank yeah. you so much for coming on and being vulnerable and um, taking the time to talk with us today. We appreciate of it. Of course, anytime. Thank you so much for having us. Welcome. Yeah. So this is Erin signing out from Making Headway Podcast. Um, come check us out again next week. Bye. Hi, everyone. Making Headway Podcast is just a side project that I love. It's given me a lot of community, along with giving you guys community as well. And I really thank you for supporting me. If you'd like to do something extra, we would really appreciate it. There's a few ways you could help us out. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. Share us with friends, family, or anyone that you think might want to listen. Also, clicking on the links in our show notes for Amazon gives us just a small kickback, just enough to help pay those bills. If you wanted to do something more, which we would really appreciate, you can donate at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. Lastly, we have a Patreon account as well. That's found at www.patreon.com slash makingheadwaypodcast. Anything you can do to support us really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really love you, listeners. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.